I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glass A Film Club and today we've got another film review lined up for you and I am joined once again by fan favourite Callum. Callum, how are you doing today? I'm excited to have a little chat with you. Hello, again. I am uh, again. I'm really, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, went for a run. I went for a run this morning. Um, Beautiful. Which uh, set me up. Well, I say this morning. It was the afternoon, but I didn't wake up until um, <laughs> it felt like bend. your morning. <laughs> exactly, and that's that's what matters. Um, but yeah, it was great. I'm good. Uh, happy to be here yet again, uh, discussing some some films, art, etc. Um, we both do it very well, so uh, let's just keep. What well, I like it. to think we do. I like to think we do. We do have a good try, and I must say, in these lockdown days, I'm cherishing these opportunities every week to uh virtually see you and shoot the breeze about whatever the chosen film is that week and speaking of the chosen film the chosen film for this week is zodiac of course we watched it on netflix the 2007 release by david fincher did i get that right david fincher yeah Yeah, i think i got that right who also directed one of my favourite films, Fight Club, and that's what led us in the direction of this. Zodiac is often pointed out for being uh, a great film in terms of filmmaking and technique, so it's something, obviously, as keen members of the Glass A Film Club, we want to check that out and see what all the hype was about. But I'll give you a quick overview before we dive into it all. Zodiac, as I said, 2007 release, follows um, a true story, in the 60s, late 60s and 70s in America. And this is based on a non-fiction book, which is actually included in the film. It all gets a bit meta, but that was released in the late 80s. And it is about a spate of murders who were, that were taken place by someone who named himself the Zodiac Killer. And what was unique about these murders is that he contacted the police every time he did them. And this became through cryptic codes that he was sending alongside letters and different correspondence, and it blew up in the media because he was sending these letters to the newspapers. Obviously, the police were getting involved, and he was telling them to publish them, or else he would then commit more murders, and this went on and on. So then it involved the police, but also the media in trying to solve these crimes. And this went on for decades as the film spans it well into the... Uh, to, when does it go into? It hits into the... Um, so the, the 90s, noughties so. in the end, doesn't it? Nineties, um, anyway, yeah, late nineties, yeah. Um, as they try and fo- uh, solve this, so the first half of the film really exploring what happened at the time. You get a kind of graphic depiction of some of these murders, very intense, but then also the media frenzy that came with it and the investigation. But then the film goes later to follow Jake Gyllenhaal's character, who was a cartoonist at one of the newspapers, who gets obsessed with studying this and even years after it when the case has gone cold they've kind of given up on it there's no murder's been committed for years he still gets obsessed and he's the one who then writes this um, non-fiction account of it trying to find the murderer which he does then do and tries to convince the police to carry on this case decades afterwards intense film very early on there's a lot of bloody depictions of 
graphic murders, which is not for the faint-hearted. Um, but a lot of mystery, a lot of drama, a lot of intrigue. T- over two and a half hours long. Callum, did you stay awake for the entirety of it is the first question. And the second question is, what did you think of the plot and the story? Uh, yes, I did manage to stay awake for the whole film, actually. Um, although off off mic, I was saying that I found the film... Uh, I was interested, but not necessarily excited by it. Um, the first hour was brilliant. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, it sort of, I feel like the a, a, a subject base like this um, demands your attention. Like, you need, a quite, you, need, you need quite a lot of patience to with the film for it to have that sort of impact on you, particularly given the subject matter. Um so the long running time, I think you have to be, you got to be in the right frame of mind to watch it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I actually really enjoyed the, um, the, the, the backdrop that the film was set against really that, that for me, that was, that was the main yeah. strength of it. Like, I mean, it re- really does recreate the mood of the seventies. Like the murders aren't necessarily depicted as these being these quintessentially, graphic um it's more the sort of i mean there's obviously the 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 stabbings and stuff but it's more the sort of absence of you seeing inside the killer's uh mind that i think drives it like it's the absence of the killer's identity set against the backdrop of you know the dark san francisco californian underbelly i suppose that for me really um was the main attraction of the film um the i think it raises raised quite a lot of questions about um morality as well um yeah. and the fact that the the messages were quite coded and there's loads of different references to it i mean robert graysmith the uh, the cartoonist for the the newspaper the guy that actually ended up writing the book about the zodiac killer um talks quite frequently about how the coded messages are rooted in like a medieval language so there's there's a bit of a tension there between um, ancient or me- or ancient ways of communication versus modern killings. Really, I mean, being set in the late seventies, early eighties, the sort of explosion of new technology, explosion of new ways of living, challenging the state. You know, you got the hippie movement, etc. All of that combined, I think, um, really sets the tone quite nicely. That juxtaposition between old ways of communication there's no coincidence that the messages are coded in the way that they are because it's trying it's almost they're almost it's almost like obscurity in an age of um at the time an age of uncertainty perhaps politically and socially speaking mm-hmm. um that was that was kind of my take on it um but again like i said uh <laughs> i felt interested but not necessarily excited by it yeah the no, whole way I, through. I see what you mean i see what you mean there and I get your point. It's a long film and it can tail off in points if you're not completely switched onto it. But I'm going to go slightly against that because even though it was two and a half hours, or over two and a half hours, I still found it gripping and I found it surprisingly gripping because this isn't necessarily a genre of film that would really attract me. It's uh, true crime, as we like to call it these days as a genre. Um, it, it's drama, it's the investigative police element. And for me, that's normally, yeah, interesting, but there's only so much you can do with the film. But I found this to watch 
fascinating. Like you said, I agree with what you said about the cultural landscape. It was a great historical film in terms of not necessarily telling a piece of history, but to um, highlight a cultural uh, era, to show, depict a time. And I feel like it, it caught that um, the moment quite well. You, feel, you felt caught up in it. And this is what I'm trying to say in terms of what I liked about the film is you feel part of that media frenzy that's going on. You feel part of that uncertainty. And I think that was the real success of the film. Many films that we discuss and what we love talking about are films that leave you thinking, give you a bigger message and um, give you something to think about. And I love that. And that will always be my favourite type of film as we discuss those all the time. But this wasn't that. Yes, there was more to think about and there is more to talk about in terms of bigger themes. But for me, this was an absolute demonstration in brilliant filmmaking. It was gripping in so many ways. It left you pondering as you were going. You didn't know where the plot was going. But also, the characters were so well put together and the storyline was really well crafted. It captured, like I said, that kind of media frenzy at the time and all the excitement that was going on and all the fear and intrigue, but put it within a film narrative which took you with it. And even though it was over two and a half hours, I was still intrigued all the way through it. My only criticism in terms of narrative, and there's only so much you can do when you're following a true story, is that I felt slightly underwhelmed at the end when it was such an intense pace and everything seemed to match up so well like they matched all the little details that the film led you into and down dark um dark alleys in terms of plots but also it gave you little clues that came back and it was so clever and made sense and then the end of it was like oh yeah it worked out like this and it just kind of uh the guy died before they could prosecute him and yeah, it was fine. He figured it out. It all finished as it was. They missed it, but hey, oh, what happens? And it was kind of a bit underwhelming. And I feel like, yes, it was a true story, so you can't necessarily make up that, but there could have been a bit more towards the end. And it kind of failed to do that and tailed off a bit too much. It was like, ah, oh, you could have given us a bit more. So, because the key scene is when they're in the diner, Mark Ruffalo's character and Jake Gyllenhaal's, and then he convinces him he's figured out who the killer is. And it feels like an anticlimax at that moment. But up to that, I feel like the plot was beautiful and it gripped me all the way. Um, Just going back to you on what you were saying about the kind of cultural element and things like that. What do you think in terms of um, what I've just brought up there in terms of being gripping? Would you say that there was a point in the film where you just kind of thought, all right, this is a bit too much, get it wrapped up now? Um, For me, I mean, on the back of that, like the fir- that first um, hour and a half when because the film sits I was saying you to you earlier that the film sits on like a triumvirate really of like it's a crime saga but then it's also a film about um, newspaper reporting and like people's interaction with um, news specifically um, crime and then it's a, a sort of a comment on the period as well like the late seventies early eighties like sort of this this sort of dark underbelly of of San Franciscan life. I mean, personally, when it, I think it was about an hour and f- it once it got to the two hour mark and after the police case had kind of slowed down and 
Mark Ruffalo's character had kind of taken a step back, which I suppose happens. You know, police, it was designed to mirror the mundane police work, probably what it was like at the time. But then when Jake Gyllenhaal's character starts to sort of become, take a sort of personal interest and he makes it his sort of, his agenda to capture um, the Zodiac Killer and he and he starts having like with his kids and stuff with the maps and everything and then his marriage starts to break down. I just thought like I just I just kind of lost a little bit. I feel like for me it lost it lost its pace there. Um, I feel like if they'd I don't know if they'd kept with the police um, sort of case aspect to it, it might have kept me more involved. But then again, Jake Gyllenhaal's character I thought was. Um, this is the I just realized this is like the first film we're reviewing where I'm actually being really quite critical of it. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we love the balance. It it shows that you know we are we are speaking the truth here, Callum. We've got to give the viewers, every, the listeners, everything. <laughs> but like, <laughs> well, indeed, of course. Um, but the I don't know. I just found Gyllenhaal's character just quite sort of unassuming. I suppose, like on paper, his character has got sort of scope to be really really exciting like a cartoonist working at the newspaper like going off on his own pursuing um the 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 killer himself um i just thought that, well at points it did it did just feel it felt a little flat i think um and i get it with you but i get it, what you're it saying is, it is two separate um films in many ways well this is this is the thing right yeah exactly bit I, of it in the second bit there no, I agree, and this is this is the thing I said. It, it, it's a crime saga, but then it's also trying to be a film about a sort of people's relationship with the media. And like Robert Downey Jr., for example, his character ends up being reduced to drink, um, and you know, you've, and it's also a period piece. Now, for mo- most like most films about the sort of late sixties, early seventies, always seem to focus on the idea of that the hippie movement or the political landscape of it all. Whereas what this does is that it actually just kind of it levels it in the sense that it doesn't really mention any of that stuff. It just talks about um, ordinary people who are navigating through the sinews of the city, I suppose. Um, it doesn't really comment on on that explicitly. Um, and I think the, the, the conclusion was sort of was quite unfulfilling, but at the same time, because it's trying to be three different films at once, I feel like sometimes the the, I don't know. the The pace was lost. I think it, it it was for me. It was a bit of a roller coaster of a film in the sense that brilliant started off like that hour was that first hour was stylistically really great. Like the sort of the I was I was hooked. I was captivated. I love the set as well. Um, I I love the sort of the the uh the process that sets up in that that opening hour of like sort of the the police work and trying to navigate between different sort of um, communities, different aspects of the city. But then when Gyllenhaal goes on his personal sort of um, investigation, I just thought, oh God, there's still like a, still over an hour left here. Um, mm-hmm. And I was, I was just wondering like, oh, you know, where's it going to go? And then, and then, and then he get and then he gets to sort of, and he gets, goes and visits Mark Ruffalo's character and says, I found who the killer is. And they have that exchange in the cafe. The documents are exchanged and he's like, finish your book. And then that's that's that. I mean, I suppose that's probably how it happened. It's true to the the nature of of the of the event potentially. I know but, you, um, when you've slogged to two hours twenty, you want a little bit more bang for your buck at that. Yeah, stage. exactly, exactly. Um, that that was just my sort of my my take on it. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, to sort of counter that, counter my own critique, I suppose, it did mirror the mundane police work, I think. Um, but saying that, it just wasn't enough for me. Just the, to mirror the the reality of police okay, work yeah. in the late seventies just wasn't in uh, early seventies. Sorry, it just wasn't enough to keep me hooked for the entire two hours forty that it runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. I want to just pick up again on that idea of two separate films. And what is interesting, I think, about this against usual crime drama, where it's focused on a police depot in America in the 60s, which this is focused on. But the lead of this crime drama is, the main focus is the media. So where you'd normally cut to the police depot or the uh, city hall or whatever, which is included in this, most of the scenes where they're actually discussing the case are in the media, in the newspaper office. So this is looking at a crime rather than through the police perspective. It's looking at it a bit more through the media perspective, which is fascinating because obviously that's what happened at the time. And I think the filmmakers are making a very conscious choice to say, we're going to focus on the media outlook on this because it was all played out through the media. But the crimes and the story was broken through the murderer to the media, but then it was full circle solved by someone in the media as well. So this was a spate of murders that even though the police investigated, didn't solve and weren't the ones who were in communication with the murderer. It was all played through the media. And I think that's just as a a kind of quirk and something interesting and different, it shows that this is something intriguing to watch and it was a fascinating historical case. But also it's a wider thing of saying, look how much from that era of mass media onwards to this present day is that the media's influence is on crimes, public events, anything that the police really should be taking the lead on and saying, if you look at things that happen now, if there's a big court case going on, the media have influence. If the media weren't involved, then things would play out differently and, and media does have an influence on things like this. So I thought just from a visual and a storytelling perspective, it was interesting to see the newspaper set up and it was journalists doing the investigations on something that actually led to, he wasn't a qualified journalist, but the cartoonist part of the media cracking it. And also a bit wider when you'd step back and, and look at it for something that's been dug into is okay, the media plays such a big role in anything crime-related. This just shows that we'll never go back from that, and that is something that is part of um, life now. Yeah, I mean, on that, I think um, the fact that... Because uh, we spoke again off-air, didn't we, about um, the, the the Dirty Harry reference. Um, yes, yes. When, when uh, Mark Ruffalo goes to the... He's in the cinema, and they're watching Dirty Harry... And the scene is when the mayor of San Francisco, in, in the actual film Dirty Harry, is reading out um, uh, a note from a serial killer called Scorpio. So just as a, a slight segue, Dirty Harry was made at the same time that these Zodiac killings were happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of parallels between that. So I feel like even popular culture at the time was sort of comment... It, well, obviously it does, but it was commenting on... Um, sort of people's relationship with crime even in the, in the 70s and then for the film the for a film in 2007 to be made about an event that was 
uh, specifically, not well, not specifically, but certainly about people's relationship with media, again adds another layer to it. And there's a, there's a scene where Mark Ruffalo walks out of the cinema having watched the um, scene from Dirty Harry where they're reading out the note from Scorpio, who's the serial killer in the film. Um, yeah. And that mirrors exactly what the Zodiac killer was doing. So I feel like there's a... There's there's a there's a real sort of nod there to nineteen seventies culture. It, it just adds another layer to it. It makes it more realistic. And I suppose, you know, sort of go against my own critique earlier. It what Finch has done there is that he's created a nice sort of um, ambiance to the film. There, he's created it's a really mm-hmm. great stylistic um, uh, device there to sort of make the viewer be feel completely um, immersed in the sort of the underbelly of Californian. Uh, crime, San, specifically San Franciscan crime. I mean, I read an article about the music as well in relation to that, about how Fincher yeah. wanted the soundtrack to be take you through the decades, but it ended up being this sort of like morose um, sort of dense soundtrack to it. Um, and I thought, yeah, that that was quite a nice sort of style, stylistic device there. Not Definitely. necessarily... I think- Go on. I think what you said there about media and culture is really what this film's about. Yeah, it's telling a really interesting story and it's fascinating and the plot is gripping and tense, but when you're looking at it from a wider view, it's showing a turning point in terms of media involvement and culture involve, cultural involvement in crime as a big cultural phenomenon and the influence it has both on culture and culture has on uh, real life events as well, which obviously is played out through the Zodiac Killer communicating with the newspapers. But where I want to switch this discussion to, Callum, because normally, as I said, we go through the themes and the wider things for it. And for me, yes, there's some interesting stuff in this theme. As I said, the main focus being culture and news and the crime at the time. But where this film really wins points for me is filmmaking. And I just kind of want to say, what Finch has done in it, and I said at the beginning, kept me gripped all the way through. You said, oh, you tailed off a bit. I understand that, but I think there was so much in this film. For a film of over two and a half hours, it had everything for me. I thought the drama was tense when it happened, when it depicted the murders, couldn't look at points. Also, when he is, when Jake Gyllenhaal is investigating and there's other um, moments of interviews, the tension is built so well, and I think Fincher does this through... He uses a lot of inserts in his shots, showing very minute details that might be relevant or might not be relevant, but flicks between them quite quickly as if something's been noticed and that shouldn't have been where the main actors are carrying on with their thing, but the filmmaker's just giving you a quick, look at this, look at this, and that's most prominent in the scene where the three police officers interview who they later find out to be the Zodiac Killer at his work. And there's a lot of um, shots and inserts where it cuts to things like his shoes and his watch, which were all clues towards him being the guy uh, responsible. And also, like you said, with the music, I thought the soundtrack was fantastic. The opening soundtrack was phenomenal. And throughout it, the different styles only add to um, that tension and build the drama. And in terms of how it looks stylistically. I thought there was such a great range of shots that keep you captivated and built this whole world and, like you said, depicted the culture of the time really well. So 
yes, we're talking about the themes and things like that, and maybe they didn't hit home as powerfully as we may think in other films. But for me, I don't think that's the point of this film. This film is a story told really well to take you on this unbelievable journey that was experienced at the time by the public, the news outlets, the police, and to try and recreate that for you. And I think it does it almost perfectly. And that's why I think this film is fantastic from a very filmmaking perspective. It had me gripped all the way through. In terms of filmmaking, were there any points that you particularly enjoyed or didn't enjoy? No, well, indeed. I mean, on that, like, I agree with you that um, it is stylistically and aesthetically it is really, really good in the sense that, like, it really captures the the nineteen seventies, late sixties, early seventies, um, uh, underbelly of San Francisco, I suppose. Um, I think the characters just look cool as well. That's another thing yeah. that I like yeah, about, yeah. about uh, that's another thing. I love when they're did, in the I bars like. as well. Like, they're great. Yeah, scenes. exactly. And like Robert Downey Jr.'s. Um, outfits are brilliant i mean i'm literally i'm, I'm gonna go out and buy i mean i've already got a green corduroy shirt um i'm gonna go out and buy <laughs> I can a fit you brown waistcoat now um and maybe grow my hair out to look like a robert downey jr cigarettes yeah absolutely yeah i mean but the character <laughs> characters just look cool and i think that the cars look cool and it, it adds to the it all adds to the sort of the aesthetic of the of 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 the the mood of the seventies, I think, and also I yeah. think it was I think it's quite ref. I mean, it's quite refreshing in a way as well because most films that are about the sort of late sixties, early seventies, particularly in California, always focus on um, the countercultural movement, and I suppose there is a nod mm-hmm. to that with the with what the Zodiac Killer is sort of wanting to. To the to put his message across, I mean, clearly he feels, well, he felt quite lost in a society that was on the one hand accelerating, but also on the other hand, um, sort of staying still or not necessarily going anywhere. They had sort of free spirit, I suppose. So there is a tension there. I mean, he he talks quite a lot about voices in his head and screaming and sort of um. And there's no coincidence that the people that he targets as well are relatively young, uh, successful, uh, modernistic youth. I think that's yeah, that, that's quite an interest, interesting um, comment on, on, on society at the time. And, you know, I suppose, you know, that's what the killer did. And what Finch has done is that he's, he's recreated that in a narrative that makes you think about, okay, what was the motive behind these killings? Like... Was it for attention? Was it for a sense of purpose? You know, there's a lot of nods to it where the killer in his messages says, oh, this is my my form of entertainment, almost as if this is his form of hedonism. You know, I'm not yeah, interested yeah. in flower power or LSD or music or anything like that. My sort of, my niche, I suppose, is killing people in the most vicious of ways. And um, the fact that he targets fairly young hip people in inverted commas i think is certainly an interesting um thing uh but yeah i mean for me like i said i mean i know you love the you love the pace of it um and on reflection the more I, the more i talk about it the more i realize oh actually yeah it is a good it's well made it's a good film for me the the main draw to it is has got to be the setting for me like I just the way the way it's the way it's set the, the the clothing the even the casting as well I think the casting's great 
um to sort of great mi- actors in it so yeah to sort of mirror that um that that time period as well i think is good um mm-hmm. but yeah for me the, the it's more of a, like it's more of a stylistic film i think um mm-hmm. but yeah that that, would, that that's my sort of musing on it <laughs> yeah uh, no i feel you and i get where you're coming from that and i agree in terms of a stylistic film it is a, a viewer's film not a reviewer's film and that is maybe not ideal since that we're reviewing it but i think it's very much a film of the moment of you watching it in the style and genre but also in how it's made is it's there to captivate you throughout it's not necessarily a big thinker afterwards it's a film which is unbelievably well done and takes you on a journey which is told in a fantastic way one thing i just wanted to add as well to what you were saying about the idea well you didn't directly say this but it's what was going in my head as you were saying it but the idea of kind of like looking back in time you're talking about the killer himself what of his motives i also think that the film like you said earlier how it does fizzle out a bit at the end and what we're calling the second part of the film that is a theme throughout and gets really dug into the plot is this idea of moving on from a time this case after i think it was four years they just the police have almost given up on it there's only one police officer who's still officially working on it but yet the guy who authored the book jake gyllenhaal's character he's obsessed with it for him it hasn't moved on it's still very present but as matt ruffalo's character says the police officer there's been 200 murders in their area since the last zodiac killing other things have happened and that is just to show that yeah obviously the small kind of life moves on things change but amongst this news culture that they're depicting is it's only irrelevant to it's only relevant to the public if it is happening to the public at the time obviously it was a massive outcry there was curfews in areas when the zodiac killer was active even though he was still at large though they didn't see it was an issue because the media weren't depicting it as something big because there was no frenzy around it and the way the film fizzles out at the end i think yes frustrating but almost apt in a way because that's how the case did happen it was big big news everywhere everywhere everyone saw it was a huge threat it needed to be dealt with and it just fizzled out and in the end they found out who it was nothing happened because he died before he could be prosecuted but no one batted an eyelid in the end and everybody moved on from it and i feel that the film gives you that feeling of unfulfillment but that's what happens in life with any big event like this or anything in a moment a moment or an era happens and it might think it's going to change the world forever but ultimately a new era comes by and the other one fizzles out and nobody really remembers the thing that fizzled out it's the concentration on the next one and that's what the film makes you feel you feel a bit short changed by the end because you were so invested in the story that's being told but by the end of saying oh actually like most things uh, big events that happen in life not most of them actually lead to this big world changing event they'll just fizzle out and i think in terms of filmmaking as i said it's another great parallel that it brings there and after what might have been my third full rant of the <laughs> exchange here let's let's look to start wrapping this up callum um i'll let you take your overview and um if you want to say any key scenes but ultimately leave us with the classic rating out of 10 if you would please callum yeah so i mean on that like 
what you were saying earlier, I just I was kind of thinking about it just a, a minute ago. Like when you talked about the idea of fizzling out, and I, I'm it's going to. I want to talk about this in the sense of of how the film, the overview of the film, in the sense that it is a reflection, really, on past events. I suppose. I mean, the yeah. way the the way the camera focuses on the book that's been created, it's more a film about. It's a comment on societal attention. I think the idea that a, a big event happens that might be important to some group of people, but then in the grand scheme of things, isn't necessarily that important to other people. I mean, there's a line where it's um talk about oh. Lo- loads more people die around the world than what this killer has done so why should we pay attention to this killer in particular so for me i think firstly the film is the main strength of it is the sort of the, the setting and the style and the sort of the recreation of that underbelly i've been talking about that's the main thing for me that drives it um it's you know a film about societal obsession with serial killers i think and there's nods to that with um within the film when it's tall when it, when they go and see the dirty harry film uh that was made in the 70s at the same time the zodiac killers was happening um and i think it's you know the main the triumvirate it's a crime saga but it's also a film about people's relationship with media but then it's also a period piece there's a lot of things going on in the film that you can get your teeth into so for me those were the main the main thing for me was the style i'm going to give it seven out of ten um just because at some points i said it did feel a little bit flat and like i said earlier i felt a lot more interested in the setting but I wasn't necessarily excited by the film for the whole two hours forty that it ran. Like, like I said, the first hour, great, um, and I, I love the style of it. But for me, it was just a little bit too long, and I did lose interest um, in the sort of the midpoint. Um, it just needed something a little bit more to keep me going, and the ending in particular, um, it, you know, I, it did make me feel a little bit flat. But then again, I said, I, you know, I. Um, said before that you've got to have patience with the film. I think you got you got to you've got to definitely have patience with the the what Finch is trying to do. Um, and maybe maybe I just didn't have enough patience this morning when I watched it. I don't know. Maybe I should watch it again. Um, and and think and think about because the more you talk about it, the more the more you sort of the more you know what to look for. I suppose. Uh, but yeah, for yeah, me, and seven, that's the beauty of the Glass Film ten. Club. Thank you very much, Callum. Uh, wonderful summary, and thank you for giving that to us. I'll just quickly wrap up my thoughts. Yes, there were some good themes in there, as I've touched upon, but for me, this was absolutely a demonstration in fantastic filmmaking and how to tell a story. I felt so gripped by it. It used so many different techniques and evoked so many different emotions in me, whether it be the tension, the drama, the excitement, the wonder, the mystery of it all. But then also... I just think how it looked, like you said, the visuals. And I'm a sucker for a film that just looks visually nice. And I think the sequences just go in between the police departments, the traveling, also within the newspaper as well. I just think everything about it looked fantastic. And it was, uh, in a sensory way, it was very exciting. It gave you a lot. And the music as well all threw that in. And like I said, we normally love talking about a film that leaves us thinking and can kick on into a wider theme. 
this has got a few of them into it, but for me, it's not about that, which is completely fine. Not every film has to be about that, but this is a story really well told and something that has been able to keep me gripped for over two and a half hours. For me, this is a nine out of 10 film. I think it's fantastic. You're absolutely right. You've got to be patient with it. And it doesn't make the 10 because I thought it was a bit underwhelming at the end. I fully understand why it went to that phase of fizzling it out because it worked within the plot. But there was just a bit too much of Jake Gyllenhaal going for various meetings with different people in the last hours. I think that point could have been made um, not as in a continuous way as that and you could have maybe shaved 20 minutes off the film without going over that but still getting the same effects at the end but fantastic very glad we watched it nine out of ten and that wraps us up we've talked at great length about that Callum thank you very much for joining me once again as I said earlier I treasure these moments when we can chat about films at length and hope that people enjoy them as well have you enjoyed this evening's discussion always as always you don't even need to ask me it's just it, it, i always enjoy it like that's you know it is it is what we do best um wonderful and you know we're we're, def- we're not gonna we're, we're definitely not gonna shut up about talking about films so listeners strap in we're here for the, the long call Indeed. I was also thinking um, this week, Callum, we'll have to decide what we're going to watch for our Christmas special episode. So well, I'm going to plant that seed in your mind and see di- what di- grows die out hard. of it. Die Hard. It's got to be up there. That's potentially one. Must one. one option. I've had a few knocking. Um, it pen- I mean, there's so many directions we could go. We could go soppy Christmas. We could go intense. We could go classic Christmas. You know, maybe we do a marathon and just watch about. 12 days of christmas films well maybe if people want to want, want us to review a particular christmas film uh leave a comment on uh leave a comment leave a comment and we'll uh we'll, we'll try our best of course of course well we'll get that arranged but we'll we've got many episodes before christmas Callum. i know it's creeping up on us but we've still got a good few weeks and plenty more good discussions i am very sure will come off the back of the films that we watch then but Thank you for joining, Callum. You have yourself a lovely week. And until next time, thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you again very soon.